It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast. Cast Network. Welcome to the show. My name is Sam Ekstrom. I'm at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, covering the Vikings for zonecoverage.com. Thanks so much for listening today on this Tuesday, and thank you for your patience without Monday's program. Again, I tweeted this out, and in case you didn't see it, I want you to know that the day after a season ending loss, normally I would expect to have a, a well produced well-thought-out, timely program to get everything out there the day after. And that's usually our rapport on this program. Yesterday, that was entirely the plan. My flight from Philadelphia was getting in about 10.30 Minneapolis time, head straight to the studio, get that taken care of with Sage, and then get back to work. Yesterday turned into a little bit of an ordeal, you might say. And I'm not the only one with travel problems. I think most of the Vikings beat is still stuck in Philadelphia, or at least a good portion of it, as I'm here recording this. But from 2 a.m. to about 11.30 p.m., I was in either a train station, an airport, or an airplane. And there weren't too many open nooks in the airport yesterday to sneak away and get you a show. And for that, I apologize So today becomes the day after the day after podcast. It's the stream of consciousness that you deserved yesterday, but are getting a day late. And I've had a little time, obviously, to process, to take in a little more information. We've already had open locker room from yesterday. We had Mike Zimmer talking today. So a little more perspective, certainly. A little less of the shock wearing off of that 38-7 to loss against the Philadelphia Eagles. An NFC Championship game comparable to the 2000 game, the 41 Donut game against the New York Giants. Similarly, that team beat the Saints in the divisional round at home. This team beat the Saints in the divisional round at home and went to play an NFC East team on the road and got bludgeoned. Now, I don't think anybody would have been stunned with a loss. I think it would have been part of the game. I think... The nature of the loss, and this was the premise of my post-game story, the nature of the loss is what hurts here. The Vikings, as we know, don't exactly play normal playoff games. It seems to be either a heartbreaking, devastating defeat, or in the case of the Minneapolis Miracle, a victory in that fashion from the jaws of defeat, or a complete manhandling at their expense. It happened against the Rams in 99, happened against the Giants in 2000, happened again on Sunday. Can't the Vikings just play a normal 24-14 game where you lose, you lose. You got outplayed, and obviously they got outplayed in this one, but but to leave so much on the bone here against an offense that had been struggling, to allow that to happen, it's got to be frustrating for Vikings fans. And a lot of them wanted this fate. A lot of them wanted 
the game at Philadelphia as opposed to Atlanta at home. Hindsight always twenty twenty. I was never convinced that was the best path. We knew the Vikings struggled on grass. We knew they struggled at Philadelphia last year. We knew that the Eagles' defense was for real, and I think they were more for real than we even knew. Chris Long, the veteran, had a great game. The defensive line was winning. The offensive line for Philadelphia was winning. Tom Johnson said after the game that Nick Foles hung in the pocket much better than they anticipated. Credit Foles for that. 352-3. and Not bad for Nick Foles. Hats off to him. His touchdown pass to Jeffrey, the first one, right on the money. The flea flicker touchdown pass, right on the money. Could not have been more perfect. The last TD pass to Jeffrey. I mean, their receivers are good, too. People wanted to, to get down on Philadelphia because, oh, their tight end is leading them in receiving. How good can they be? But I think they just spread the ball around really well. Carson Wentz did a great job of that. Earths is the real item. And he gave Harrison Smith fits. Harrison Smith and Trey Waynes probably played their worst games of the season simultaneously. Totally unacceptable. But Alshon Jeffrey, we know that Alshon Jeffrey is the number one caliber receiver. Torrey Smith is probably a, a good number two. Nelson Aguilar is an unbelievable wild card option. Jay Ajayi showed why the Eagles went and got him midseason. He was outstanding, powerful. LeGarrette Blunt scored a touchdown with blunt force running through Andrew Sandejo, who it seemed like was still fuzzy from that concussion the previous week. I mean, there's a lot of towns on that Philadelphia team, and that's, and that's why some people are thinking they could go and beat New England. Now, I'm not convinced of that, but... But when you get a team that doesn't really have a flaw outside of the perceived flaw at quarterback, that's exactly why Case Keenum succeeded this year. And that's why Nick Foles is succeeding. Because good play calling and good good complementary talent can carry a quarterback. I really believe that. Not many quarterbacks are bad enough to ruin a good football team. Now, let me rephrase, a great football team. The Eagles are a great football team. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review if you please. A lot of off-season content coming your way here, obviously. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Locked On Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash LOCKEDONNBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. The play that I trace... The beginning of the end back to is the obvious one. It's the interception. The interception that that came after pressure by Chris Long, picked off by Robinson, great blocking by Rodney McLeod and Malcolm Jenkins to make sure that Floyd and Thielen got cleared out of the way. 
and then Robinson took it to the house against the slow linemen. Totally changed the game. Eagles fans, from what I've read and heard, they've got this reflex where they sort of hide in their shells. If things go badly early, they turn against the team. And I think had the Vikings gone down and scored again for a 10- or 14-point lead early, I think that could have been a massive game-changer. I don't think the game plays out nearly like it did if they take that two-possession lead. I'm a firm believer in the butterfly effect in sports, and I don't hate Keenum for the throw. Obviously, when you get hit, you get hit. Keenum, normally great at sensing and avoiding pressure. Let it get to him twice in that game. The second one, really just as damaging. He got strip-sacked inside the 30-yard line as the Vikings were marching to potentially tie it at 14. I think he would have had digs open on that play, too, where he got stripped by Chris Long. But then it gets magnified. If it goes to halftime 14-7, that play has much less meaning. But then the complete collapse at the end of the half. Alshon Jeffrey for the touchdown. Terrence Newman burned on a double move. Harrison Smith late to help. Anderson Deho trailing behind the play as well. And then, even more egregious, the 29-second drive that the Eagles put together to get the field goal to go up by three possessions at half, even more deflating. And that's one of those where Harrison Smith got completely burned by Zach Ertz. That shouldn't happen. It was an out-and-up move where Ertz looked like he was going to the sideline. Smith thought he'd run him out. And then Ertz just cuts, cuts up field, gains 36 yards. Completely uncharacteristic mistakes. That was one of the buzzwords in the locker room after the game. And it wasn't a sad locker room necessarily. Maybe uh, Brian Robinson taking it pretty hard. Knows his career is in its twilight. But I felt like there was just a lot of bafflement. How's that for a word? Bafflement. About how the team could come up so punchless. Terrence Newman said they had no energy. And there was a lot of credit given to the Eagles. But uncharacteristic were the Vikings. Now, I think the important thing to do is not to react too strongly to a game like this. Many times, the temptation is, from a fan perspective, to make off-season decisions based on the last thing you remember. Well, the last thing you remember is a porous defense, a terrible defense that had its worst game of the season in terms of Third down conversions against, which was an insane 10 of 14. Passing yards against, total yards against. But obviously, you're not going to blow up the defense. The defense is going to be good next year. Maybe swap out Tom Johnson for another defensive tackle. Terrence Newman might be gone. But it's going it's to be a good defense next year. You're not going to blow that up. The temptation is also to reevaluate everything that Case Keenum was. I'm not sure you can put a lot of that game on Case. The first interception, partially, but not all on him. The strip sack, partially, but not all on him. That was a great blitz, and David Morgan, slow to pick it up, and maybe not the best concept either. It was well well executed by Philadelphia. It's worth noting that the Vikings had very little success downfield in the second half of the season. Just think about after the Washington game, where they had a couple nice connections, there really wasn't much there on a consistent basis. In the Saints' playoff game, they had a few great catches by Diggs, Thielen, and Wright to make all those plays. But when you look at what Philadelphia was able to do to get guys free downfield and for Foles to connect with them, I do think that was a dimension the Vikings generally lacked second half of the year. 
We're going to have months now to evaluate the Vikings offense, uh, the Vikings quarterback situation. Pat Shermer's obviously going to the New York Giants. That was the official news yesterday, but we knew it for about a week and a half. So now you're looking for an OC. The offensive coordinator will have a say in who the quarterback becomes. I'm on Kevin Stefanski's team, but let's let's also not kid ourselves here. The Vikings offense, while vastly improved, still has a lot of room to go. When you're so bad one year, and then you you know move up as many spots as they did, there might be the, the illusion of, well, this is a great offense. It's fine. Don't touch it. But there's still a lot of room to, to work. I think you can be way more efficient in the run game. And if you can, you'd like to have even more big playability in the passing game. I think Dalvin Cook is going to help tremendously next year. And that might be why the Vikings are looking for another running back. Jarek McKinnon was probably the most vocal of anybody in open locker room yesterday. And again, stuck in an airport, wasn't there. But the quotes coming out of Winter Park that Jarek McKinnon said, I want bigger and better things for myself, and I wouldn't want to be back in this role. He certainly has the right to do that. He's had a problem in the past with durability when he's been given greater roles in the run game. But if there's a time to cash in, it's now. He probably had his best year in a contract year, and he will financially benefit from that. Good for Jerick McKinnon. It's also a, a rich draft, again, with running backs. And that's usually a position where guys can come in and succeed right away. Once more, it's Sam Ekstrom. It's Locked On Vikings. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. We're bouncing all over the place here. I hope everybody's okay with that. Trying to hit on all of the vital talking points that, that maybe have already been lost in the shuffle from the Eagles game. Alluded to the third downs. And it seemed like every single third down was just past the sticks. It was as if the Vikings were guarding five yards further back than they should have. And I did I did the math, too. It's not that the Eagles were doing so much on first and second down that they had third and one, third and two. Their average third down conversion occurred on a third and six. If you tell the Vikings that before the game, they're taking it. Third and medium against Nick Foles, they probably have 20%. Well, instead, at one point, they converted nine out of ten. They missed their first one. They converted nine of their next ten in the game. And it was it was sad being there because you you build up a game like that in your mind. You you build it up the whole time you're traveling. You sit in the press box for four hours because you get there early. You're trying to avoid the melee outside. You're trying to avoid the fights, the the chaos that we've all heard about by now with the Eagles fans frankly, embarrassing themselves on a number of different levels. And then the game starts, and you almost have nothing left by that point. And then one drive into the third quarter, it's basically over. Only chance the Vikings had was to come up with a stop there on the first drive of the half. They didn't do it. And it was like everything that had gone right started going wrong. The The durability that the Vikings had boasted most of the season, and they lose they lose Andrew Sandejo, in that game with what they call the calf, Pat Elfline, broken ankle in that game. He hopes to be back, certainly for the season. Broken ankles actually, broken ankles actually should heal pretty quickly. It's better than like a, a knee ligament. Um, but you lose him. Xavier Rhodes goes down again mid-game, and that's been a really mysterious deal with Rhodes. I'd be hard-pressed to believe that every single game has been or a different injury, probably re-aggravating a lot of the same stuff. 
Maybe that's why he wasn't quite as effective late in the season. He was playing hurt. Adam Thielen goes into the game with broken bones in his back, allegedly. Anthony Barr left with an injury. He's going to miss the Pro Bowl now. Everything just piled on there for the Vikings. They lost their head late in that game with Philadelphia mocking them with the skull chant. I even saw Mike Prefer getting in a shouting match with the Philadelphia Eagles special teamer while they were doing that scolding. That was a disheartening fourth quarter. I will give you that. That was a didn't even get four dramatic quarters of football out of that game as the Vikings lose at 38 to 7. Well, I'm sure a lot of you will agree with me when I say I'm not ready to turn the page to the offseason. I'm not prepared to start evaluating cap space, talking about draft prospects, digging into viable free agents. That's I'd rather be covering the real thing than not the real thing. And the offseason is far too long in the NFL. So trust me, I feel the pain of the fan. I feel the void that's left by the Vikings being done with the regular season, the Vikings being done with the playoffs, and missing out the chance at the Super Bowl in their home stadium. I probably buried the lead there. That's the missed opportunity. Because the home Super Bowl may not come around again at U.S. Bank Stadium, and you had a better chance than anybody in NFL history to make something happen that had not happened. And now the other bummer is you've got this great event happening in Minneapolis, and I don't think anybody really wants to be a part of it now. I think there's probably a lot of people that are still sour. They don't want to go out and and watch the Eagles and Patriots fans cavort downtown, particularly the Eagles fans who have rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Some of the stories that have come out from the game have been appalling. There seems to be a lot of enabling that goes on in the community. And with the security that watches the game, it sounds like they are sort of in on the joke. Like, can't help the Vikings fans. Well, maybe it comes off as sour grapes to to be the losing team and to complain about the mean fans there. Here's a good rule of thumb. If you're trying to give a fan a hard time, don't make it personal. Don't be physical. Don't make it personal. Don't make it about them. Make it about the team. Don't harm the person. That would be personal and physical. Boundaries. Boundaries. doesn't seem like a lot of people understood boundaries. There should never be a time when you feel skittish to go to an NFL game. And and I've done the Lambeau scene. I've gone to Lambeau in a fan capacity when I went to Vikings-Packers 2012 playoff game. So that's high stakes. And maybe at the time that seemed hostile, but it was really nothing in comparison to what's been coming out of Philadelphia. From what I hear, Boston fans are just as bad. Best of luck to NFL security working Super Bowl 52 at U.S. Bank Stadium. Lots more time to digest this one. Sage Rosenfels will get back on the show here. Should be Wednesday morning. We'll get his two cents, see what he's processed from this loss. Viking season ends. They lose to Philadelphia 38-7, and the offseason commences. My name's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Thanks for listening. It's the Locked On Vikings podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners. This is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Lockdown Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Lockdown Wild to your device every day.